President elect Biden is expected to announce new members of his cabinet later on today. Sources confirmed tonight that uh, Congressman Cedric Richmond will leave his congressional seat for a position in the Biden administration. Have to be a special election to replace Richmond. That's likely to be in March, though the governor gets the final say. President-elect Joe Biden has poached his first member of Congress for his administration, and the pick is a popular Democratic congressman who has been on the front lines of discussing race in America for years. Louisiana Representative Cedric Richmond will become a senior advisor to the president and director of the White House Office of Public Engagement in the Biden administration. Uh, I am here today to announce that in January, before January 20th, uh, I will resign my seat in the United States Congress and take a position in the president-elect Joe Biden and Kamala Harris presidential administration. This is among the roles that Valerie Jarrett held in the Obama White House and an indication of Biden's trust in Richmond. Jarrett was among Barack Obama's closest allies in Obama's eight years in the White House, someone whose influence went way beyond her formal portfolio. Richmond is a former chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus, Back in 2017, he discussed what it was like to be in that position in the first year of President Donald Trump's administration. This building, uh, in all of its glory, has created some very dark times for African Americans. And uh, as you look at the Supreme Court across the street and the Supreme Court that was in this building, it reaffirms some of the worst things that ever happened to African Americans. And then you walk by a picture of Shirley Chisholm or Rosa Parks or Martin Luther King, and you see that it also holds uh, some of the images of our best and our progress that we've made. And then you just know that we still have, uh, unfortunately, a lot of work to do to even fulfill some of the promises from uh, Martin Luther King's day and Shirley Chisholm and others. After the murder of George Floyd this year and the ascendance of the Black Lives Matter movement, Richmond spoke in starkly personal terms about his own experiences as a black man dealing with the police. I have a mother and I had a stepfather who made it clear that there were two sets of rules and the goal for them was to make sure that I came home at night. It was basically eat the shit that we know you're going to get from police officers, just come home. What did your parents tell you? Uh, probably the same thing that I would still tell my son, which is no matter when you get stopped by the police, be respectful, do what they say, no matter how demeaning it is, no matter how bad they treat you, no matter what names they call you, eat it and just take it. I would assume we're always going to give that talk out of abundance of caution, but uh, hopefully it won't be needed uh, soon. And I think that that's what this movement is about. Richmond's move to the administration is also a sign that Biden has not forgotten how instrumental black voters were to his White House bid. Biden, the vice president to the first black president in Obama, was floundering in the early Democratic primaries and caucuses, virtually written off after disappointing losses in Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada. Bernie Sanders wins the uh, vote in the New Hampshire Democratic presidential primary. We just heard from the first two of 50 states, two of them. Not all the nation, not half the nation, not a quarter of the nation, not 10%, two. Black voters in South Carolina propelled him to a strong victory in the Palmetto State, and he rode the momentum from that win to running the table in subsequent contests and locking up the nomination. Thank you, thank you, thank you, South Carolina! Biden got a huge boost from one of his most trusted allies in Congress, South Carolina's 
James Clyburn, the House Majority Whip. Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, one who I know, who you know, but most of all, who knows us. He publicly endorsed Biden and barnstormed for the former vice president in the pivotal South Carolina contest. The highest-ranking black lawmaker in congressional leadership, Clyburn, is also very close to Richmond. Right now, I'm tunnel vision on one race, and it has, I'm not for or against Nancy Pelosi. I love Nancy Pelosi. I love Steny Hoyer. But I am for Jim Clyburn. And out of the three leadership positions, Hmm. only the African-American male has opposition within our party. Beyond some of the political and policy fights, Richmond is also built on a sense of goodwill with his colleagues in Congress in his 10 years in the House. His home state colleague, Republican Whip Steve Scalise, describes him as a longtime friend. Cedric and I served in the state house together in Louisiana and uh, formed a, a real bond back then. I respect what his different viewpoints are, even if I don't agree with them all the time. We at least have a relationship where we can talk through it. He was the first person at the hospital after I was shot, before Jennifer could even, you know, get the kids from New Orleans to, to fly up here. He went to the hospital and, you know, was there when she got there and helped her just kind of, you know, at least be a calm sense. So I appreciate that a lot. Richmond has also long been the most dominant player at the congressional baseball game. I love baseball. I love beating Republicans and I love raising money for charity. And not necessarily in that order. And his move down Pennsylvania Avenue will create a real hole in the Democrats' lineup. I just closed. Travis, I can't believe you didn't ask who's the replacement going to be in the congressional baseball game. I mean, that's just, that's, that's just, well, the good news is I get to retire 8-0. Um, uh, not, not because I'm that good. Uh, it's just because it's all relative. So if you, in that context, uh, I did not have to be uh, Hank Aaron or Willie Mays to do well in the congressional baseball game because it was, on, it was only Republicans I was playing against. Richmond says he'll be resigning his seat before Biden's inauguration, and he won't need to win Senate confirmation for his post. He leaves a heavily Democratic seat centered on New Orleans, so his leaving won't likely alter the party makeup in Congress. But it will be a real loss for the House, which is losing one of its stars, someone who never shied away from addressing tough issues, whether it was race or gun control, who would stick up for a colleague when others didn't, and who was part of the social fabric of the institution. Richmond likely won't be the last member of Congress to join the Biden administration. He could, however, end up being one of the most influential. I just want that next kid who was at Osborne or Livingston or any of our great New Orleans public schools that produced me and that my mother taught at for over 20 years to know that you can go from Osborne to the White House. And I'm not going as president, but I'm going as the president's friend. Meanwhile, we are entering the second week of new member orientation on Capitol Hill. Uh, We have a number of uncalled races. Uh, So in some cases, we have two people who have showed up for one office. And of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic, which has uh, remarkably changed things from one orientation to the next. Catherine Tully McManus, one of our staff writers who covers the leadership, is going to talk to us a little bit about what she's been seeing uh, as orientation has gotten underway. Catherine, hello. 
Hello. So let's talk about, um, you know, like how, how different this is. Usually orientation is kind of a cozy affair. People get to know each other. There's some backslapping. There's kind of, uh, there's some bonding going on with new freshmen and so forth. And uh, things are just a little different this, this time around. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the mix of a pandemic, uh, the president uh, contesting the results of the election on for the White House, that's all contributing to a really different orientation experience than we've seen in previous years. Uh, the masks, first of all, trying to get to know your new colleagues when you only can see them, you know, cheek up, uh, cheek, eyes, forehead is all you get. Um, that is a huge challenge. We did have at least one lawmaker wearing a mask with her name on it, which I would encourage any lawmakers listening, any staffers listening. That's a great move. Hello, my name is. <laughs> yes. Um, but there was also um, masks cause both controversy and some heartache uh, mm -hmm. at orientation so far. On one hand, uh, Georgia Republican Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, known mostly for her support for QAnon. She went on an anti-mask tirade during one of the very first training sessions that was outlining COVID precautions on Capitol Hill. Her colleagues described it as a fiery exchange. Um, she tweeted about it proudly. And, and also members have returned to uh, an enhanced testing capacity for COVID, uh, which wasn't in place before they left, uh, right before the elections. Yes. New in Washington, D.C. since before the election is there are restrictions on travel to 48 states and there are requirements to be tested before you travel and after you travel. Congress technically is exempt from all of those restrictions, but the Office of the Attending Physician really is trying to what they call uh, meet the spirit of those regulations from the D.C. government. Um, so they are now offering testing within the Capitol, especially for members and staff who may have been traveling, but there are many fewer restrictions on who can get tested than there were before. You do not need to prove that you were exposed while working to a lawmaker in order to go get a test. And we woke up to the news uh, this morning that Chuck Grassley, who's the Senate President Pro Tem, uh, Republican from Iowa, has the uh, he has the record for the, from the most number of votes uh, cast uh, consecutively as a senator uh, because of an exposure that he had uh, um, he'd been exposed to somebody with COVID. He has been self isolating, and so he missed a vote uh, for the first time in 27 years today. Uh, and and it was and it just sort of brings home some of the like the consequences of uh, of what we're dealing with with the pandemic, and also you know the, it just underscores too that I mean there are only five senators uh, who are still around uh, who who have not been there for a Chuck Grassley vote. Uh, it's a it is kind of stunning. One of the votes that he also missed today was on the nomination of Judy Shelton to the Federal Reserve. Uh, that vote went down, uh, you, you know, the, or a, it was actually a vote to uh, cut off debate on her nomination, but it effectively stalled her, her nomination and went down 4750. Uh, Grassley missed that, but they couldn't even get majority support to cut off debate. Uh, so it was really kind of almost this crazy kind of day, wasn't it? Yeah, there was actually, there's not usually a lot of surprise in what is going to happen in the Senate. Um, rarely do things come to the floor if they don't have a clear future. Um, and today, you know, as there were sightings of 
Vice President-elect Kamala Harris returning to the Senate. She both got an intel briefing, but then also was present to cast her vote on that tight uh, nomination. Um, that people were talking about the impact of her returning from preparing to be vice president to cast that vote and the news this morning about Grassley uh, really changed the calculation and had a lot of people up here doing some math uh, to see what was going to happen next. Well, Catherine, thanks so much for uh, for walking us through this uh, very busy day and uh, look forward to your the rest of your reporting throughout the week. Absolutely. Thanks. That's going to do it for this edition of Political Theater's The Transition. On behalf of the CQ Roll Call Newsroom, thank you for listening. Thank you.